That was so great. You can do better than that. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. How many of you want more dramatization in 2023? Okay. You're going to get what you asked for. <laughs> Amen. I want to give thanks to Pastor Tiffany and her team for a job well done. Come on, give them a hand. Amen. This morning, um, <clears throat> first of all, uh, Pastor Tiffany mentioned this, but Bishop Johnson, Lady Carolyn, they're in Fort Myers right now bringing the word of the Lord. And I believe it's a now word they are bringing. But then also, they're going to spend some time in the sun in Miami. Amen. And uh, I believe this is just the beginning of their uh, celebration for their anniversary. I believe God has some other things for them in this celebration. <clears throat> this morning, our message is actually the power of crucial conversations. The power of crucial conversations. I, I really love uh, the dramatization this morning because it falls in line with what we're going to be talking about this morning. Um, I believe in this season, conversations will become bridges to relational healing, corporate breakthrough, and prosperity. As we were worshiping this morning, one of the reasons, how many of you have been participating with Bishop Johnson, Lady Carolyn, and the team in praising God seven times a day? Yeah, Amen. How many of you would say five times a day? Uh, how many of you would say, well, I made it to two times a day? We want to ask you, uh, we still have about um, a half a month left that you would participate with us in praising God seven times a day. I believe it's important because of what God wants to do. I believe the first week we engaged, my wife and I, in praising God um, seven times a day, the atmosphere of the house changed. That atmosphere, was you could tell that there was a different grace in the household, praise God life for my wife to stand amen she's the better half of me praise God come on Jane praise God love her amen um, there are several things the Lord put in my heart before we start I wanted to go ahead and um, just give these words that God gave me one um, has to do with, yeah, we were talking about praise. Two weeks ago, while we were, we were in the midst of praise, um, this, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before last, I was standing, in the, uh, standing here, and I saw something like a, a glass of water being poured as we were worshiping, and it was just like water uh, being poured out, out of a jug, but you couldn't see the jug. But, but, but from that little trickle of water as we were praising God that water became a wall of water 
and it broke the wall and just started gushing over us like a flood. And I believe God wants to do that for us in 2023. Amen. Amen. And this morning as we were worshiping the Lord, I saw us dancing. I saw, it was, it was crazy. I was just caught up in this mini vision and um, the whole house was dancing before the Lord, even myself, amen. And, um, but as we were dancing, the power of God fell on the house. So two weeks in a row, the Lord has shown me these pictures of an outpouring coming as we worship him. And I believe that God is bringing us into a season where we're going to be very demonstrative in our praise in 2023. And as we praise him in 2023, some of the things that we believe God to bring forth in 2022 will come on the, on the heels of our praise as we enthrone him with our praise. As we praise him in our valley moments, God is going to manifest himself because he's enthroned on our praise. And I believe the Lord is going to move especially among us as it pertains to the dance. I believe dance is going to become more demonstrative. I, I, and the reason why I believe it because this morning as, as, as they were, um, uh, some of them were participating in dance this morning, I saw the outline of angelic beings dancing with us. And I believe, I believe that 2023 would be a time of dance. And I believe that, that we're going to experience cloudbursts of joy. God is just going to drop joy on the house of the Lord. And as the Lord releases joy on the house of the Lord, as he released unspeakable joy upon the people of God, God is going to heal the hearts of those who are grieving, those who are hurting, those who have memory, uh, memory issues. God is going to bring a healing of the heart through the outpouring of the joy of the Lord as we praise him. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. And also, I believe that these next three months, next three months of 2023 will be months of divine appointments, will be months of divine appointments. Mark it down as we pray and fast in January. God, God, as we open our eyes and begin to look, God is going to provide, he's going to orchestrate divine appointments, divine appointments that was likened to, uh, to Philip running into the Ethiopian on the chariot. The Ethiopian was on the chariot and there was a intersection of, of their two paths. And I believe God is going to cause our paths, your paths, to intersect with, with someone like the Ethiopian uh, eunuch. And, 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 and it would be a person or persons who are ready to give their lives to Christ. The Lord says, get ready, get ready as we praise him, as we worship him in 2023, as we pray, as we call upon his name. God God is going to orchestrate divine appointments. God is going to order our steps. And not only will it be harvest regarding souls, but it will be harvest regarding jobs, regarding opportunities. The steps of a good man and good woman will be ordered of the Lord. It will be a time of divine appointments. Divine appointments God is giving and bringing to the house of the Lord. As we ask him, 
as we ask him he says call upon my name and I will answer you with great and mighty things what things soever you desire when you pray you believe you receive it you shall have it you shall have it you shall have it this is the confidence that we have in, in him that if we ask for anything in his name that will he do that the father may be glorified in the son this will be a season of calling upon his name and the, and the Lord moving among us by answering us with great and mighty things that we know not of especially in the realm of divine appointments divine appointments say divine appointments divine appointments divine appointments God is going to inconvenience some of us and he's going to cause us to move into a divine appointments some of you will be awakened from your sleep some of you will be pulled from your favorite television programs some of you will be will be literally bothered by someone intersecting with your path but it will be the answer it will be the answer and as you are allowing the Lord to use you in divine appointments God is going to provide divine appointments that intersect your children that intercept your loved ones as we move in this as we make room in our hearts for divine appointments in 2023 the Spirit of God is going to be moving on the other side on the other side say the other side on the other side hallelujah come on give the Lord praise amen come on give him praise divine appointments divine appointments hallelujah praise him praise him praise him praise him praise him as the Lord as you allow the Lord to use you in divine appointments we have been trained we have been schooled we have been taught now is the time for the harvesters to be released amen now is the time for Metro to become one big net hallelujah one big fishing net that we become a church of fishermen hallelujah come on give the Lord praise hallelujah praise the Lord praise the Lord divine appointments can't get it out of my mind divine appointments hallelujah and Larry Gloria just stand just for a second <clears throat> Bishop Larry I hear the Lord saying that you have been faithful with that which he has placed in your hands. And I hear God saying that he is going to enlarge your bishopric. The Lord says, prepare yourself administratively for the enlargement and it will bother others that God has chosen you for the assignment that's coming into your hands the Lord says strengthen yourselves get in shape and the Lord says as you do this as he brings the enlargement there will be an enlargement financially an allotment that God will apportion to you 
But the Lord says also he's going to begin to move in your families. I see the Lord moving upon your children. I see the Lord visiting your children. I see you and your wife praying and not only your children, but all of the Corker children. The Lord says, I have placed my hands upon them and many of them have been called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. As the anointing rests upon you and even rests upon your brother, I'm going to cause your brother to move in a new flow. And I'm going to cause a new alignment to take place in his life as he allows me to make changes inside of his heart. Because there's a new thing I want to do inside of your family. And the Lord says, I, I desire to bring for my river to be released among the children, upon, among the seed, and even their children, the children of your children, the Lord says that he will cause them to be mighty in the land. The Lord says, begin to intercede. Tell, begin to intercede and tell other parents to not give up, but begin to pray for your seed. And the Lord says that he's already dealing with some. He's already has, he already has his hooks in their mouths and there's going to be turnarounds that take place because of the prayers the prayers of the saints but more so the prayers between the both of you and God is going to give you wisdom wisdom the Lord said don't worry don't worry stop worrying stop worrying stop worrying stop praising stop worrying stop praising stop worrying stop praying stop worrying stop praying stop worrying stop praising and God says there's going to be a mighty movement that takes place in your family as you begin to contend that way and not with worry amen come on give the Lord praise amen 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 I am so thankful uh, to God for Bishop Johnson Lady Carolyn making themselves available to hear from God This morning, we're talking about the power of crucial conversations. Say crucial conversations. Say that to your neighbor. Conversations will become bridges to relational healing, corporate breakthrough, and prosperity. Prayer is a conversation. It's a crucial conversation. How many of you would agree? that becomes a level, a, 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 a means to break through. Prophetic words are often the outcome of crucial conversations. Man, when you look at the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is filled with so many verses regarding life-giving conversations and toxic conversations. It talks about the, the talebearer. It talks about the slanderer. It talks about what words do. It talks about the whisperer. But all of these has to do with conversations. I believe that God wants us to have transformative conversations. I believe the Lord wants you and I to pray over our conversations, what we share. What is the power of conversations? I wrote down a couple of things. I'm just going to read the list. It's a couple of things. 
Conversation with God is the vehicle of his divine breakthrough into our world. Conversations, conversations that we have with others decide our success or failure. Conversations birth relationships. Conversations is the oxygen of relationships. No conversation, no relationship. Conversation is the seed of intimacy. Conversations can either heal you or destroy you. Conversations can birth confusion. Conversations create or destroy spiritual atmospheres. Raising your voice at your child does not raise your child's IQ. You know, you can start a war with a conversation. You can stop a war with a conversation. Many times divorce occurs because of missing conversations. Missing crucial conversations. Conversations, wrong conversations, are the igniters of adulterous affairs. Conversations, wrong conversations, birth emotional adultery that leads to physical adultery. Agreement is the hidden bridge in a conversation. A conversation is the carrier of agreement. Agreement is the place of God's commanded power. I wanted to paint a picture of the importance of conversation. When communication ceases in a key relationship, abnormality sets in. Think about it. When a husband and wife hasn't spoken to each other in three days, what is the atmosphere in the house like? What happens when you, you get in the bed and, and you're sleeping and you haven't spoken to one another? Man, you can, you can feel the ice in the house. I remember in, in the earlier days, in the earlier days of our marriage, Bishop Johnson came to our house just to see us. And he said, he said to me, Crawford, I just see darkness here. <laughs> and it was the atmosphere. The atmosphere was the tension in our marriage. Come on, say. Don't I like that don't happen to you, praise God. But what happens when you get it right and you end up staying up at night and you're talking it out and tears coming out the eyes and, and everybody's repenting? It's like life comes into the, into the relationship and it's like a revival occurs but what the, the precursor to the atmosphere of God's presence in that moment is a crucial conversation. Sometimes you need a third person to help create um, the answer or the liberty to have a crucial conversation. I want to talk to you this morning. I want to describe 
a family this morning in the scripture. Second, uh, we can't go through all the scriptures, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you where they're located, and you can read it. You, you're going to want to read this after I share this with you. Second Samuel, the 13th chapter through Second Samuel, the 19th chapter. After the exposure of King David's adultery and murder of Bathsheba's husband by the enemy of the Lord, <laughs> David and Bathsheba married and birth a child from the adultery. However, the baby died. David fasted and he prayed seven, I think it was about seven days he fasted, but the child did not live. Now the interesting thing about David, King David, David dealt with the sin and the outcome of his sin in the context of his relationship with the Lord. I want you to get this. He dealt with the sin and the context of, 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 of his, with, he dealt with the sin that he was involved with in the context of his relationship with the Lord. However, David had teenagers. And the scriptures does not mention David getting with them. And because they did not have a crucial conversation with their father to discuss what happened in this affair with Bathsheba and the outcome of what happened with Bathsheba and the death of the child, guess what happened? They had to bury their many feelings in response to their father's actions. One of the things I, I do know that because when you're, when you're in the ministry and when you're working with the people of God, there is an anointing on you. There's an anointing that comes on you in terms of talking to people, man. You talk to everybody and the love of God flows from you and God gives you wisdom, man. And there's just power and the people are responding happily to you. But then when you get home, you're not flowing out of the grace of your office. What takes over is, is the formation of Christ in you. Your maturity of Christ is demonstrated. So David was, was soaring in his relationship and his anointing with God, but when it came to his children, when it came to his family, man, he did not deal with the emotional state of things. So let's see what happened because David did not have crucial conversations. So what happened, the next thing the Bible says that as a consequence of David's sin, there would be problems in his family. So in a nutshell, Ammon, which was one of his, his older son, deceived his sister Tamar and manipulated King David in letting his half-sister nurse him. He, she, he comes, she comes into his room, he locks the door. He rapes her. Her older brother, Absalom, saw her after the incident. And guess what happened to her? He told her, he guessed what happened to her. He looked at her clothes and he said, it's your brother Ammon. And she said, yes, but then guess what he did? He told her to say nothing. 
Don't take this thing to heart. Another instance, a crucial conversation did not occur between she and her brother. She needed an outlet. But in their family, they did not deal with things on the emotional level. He told her to say nothing. He said, this is a family matter. But you know, when he told her not to say anything, he shamed her. Tamar needed a crucial conversation. Absalom needed a crucial conversation with his father. After David learned what happened, David didn't do anything. He was upset, but he did not have a crucial conversation with his family. So after two years of no resolution to the real problem, no crucial discussion about the real problem, Absalom tried to initiate a family gathering to deal with the issues. And because and in his attempt to gather the family, nothing happened. David refused to come to the meeting. So Absalom's anger hit this high. He took matters into his own hands and he killed his brother Ammon. After learning about the death of Ammon, David was grieved and Absalom went into hiding for his life. He feared his father killing him. And because of the unwillingness to have a crucial conversation, the family wound got larger. Absalom hid for three years. Finally, Dave, after three years of no conversation with his father, hiding, and that thing's still alive inside of him. No conversation, no outlet. Finally, David allowed him into the city. But David, after three years, he led him back in the city, but David still refused to have a crucial conversation with him. Instead of allowing Absalom to seek forgiveness and work towards reconciliation, David kept his distance because David did not want to deal with messy emotional issues. So often in our family, things happen that demands a, a conversation that, that, that delves into the, re, the, the relational context, the emotions. It's, you, it's, it's something that you cannot simply, you may pray and God, God gives grace to, to um, talk about it, but, but you're going to have to go through the conversation that many times demands tears, demands hurt, might even be screaming, might be hollering, but the whole thing, a conversation has to take place. I don't know if anybody here. The tragedy, man, I, I, I cried when I read this story in this context because what happened, Absalom reached a boiling pot. So he created, he burned his father's fields. He created a, a, a situation that forced he and his dad to meet. 
David's heart softened a little bit towards Absalom, but not enough to have a crucial conversation. So what happened next? Absalom launched a campaign to take over his father's kingdom. Oh man, he stood at the gate and, he, and Absalom said, the Bible said he stole the loyalty of the people. He went into David's concubines and, 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 and had re sexual relationships with them in broad daylight on top of the castle in front of everybody. Oh, it's in the Bible. Absalom launched a campaign to take over his father's kingdom. But the result of it was death. It was the death of Absalom. Absalom, David was crushed after the death of Absalom. David refused to have an emotional level of emotional conversation with Absalom. And the result of it was death. The Bible says David was so crushed by the death of Absalom. And I believe what happened, it finally hit him in the face. All these conversations that he ran away from. Crucial conversations. Some of the things I've learned because over the years, my wife and I have had crucial conversations. You know, it's possible to communicate with your children or communicate through your children to, to each other and never talk to each other. It's possible to have great conversations with your husband and wife about the matters of the household, about the children and school, but never face the realization that you both are not talking to each other about the marriage, about the relationship, about who and what you are, about each other. And it gives an illusion that you are conversing because you are talking by necessity because the children makes it necessary to talk, but you can do that for a while. And before you know it, because of the missing crucial conversations at the level of marriage, you end up in divorce. King David was the greatest king that ever lived. Masterful leader, but he didn't do well as a father. You know, 90% of us probably have not experienced our parents modeling or conducting crucial conversations. Probably most of us, about 90% of us, have not experience on an ongoing basis our parents conducting crucial conversations 
or orchestrating and demonstrating conflict resolution. So we are left with what? <laughs> so we begin to act out what we saw until we receive the word of God and God shows us another way. The Bible states in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, the 16th verse, I'm gonna be out your way so you, we can party. Hebrews 13, 16, the King James Version. It says, suffer to communicate. It says, come on, say it. It says, suffer to communicate. Now, my wife and I, we made, we made a covenant. There's some things that we, we, we now we, we've had it out. Oh, my God. But one, there are a couple of things that Bishop Johnson helped us make decisions in. Number one, we ain't going nowhere. Number two, we don't, we, we don't, we, we don't discuss divorce. We don't talk about, uh, uh, I'm going to divorce you. No, we don't, we don't put that card on the table. There's no option there. And the other thing is I'm going to sleep in my bed. Amen. And she's going to sleep in her bed. Amen. I maybe I can count one time that I didn't sleep in my bed. And I, it was because I was so upset at myself for getting angry. I was upset at myself. Sleep in the bed even if, even if our butts don't touch. Praise God. <laughs> Playing them games. You're talking about not sleeping in your bed. <laughs> no, you, the, the Bible says a whole lot about the marriage bed. Come on. So quiet now. You know something? If you listen to the Holy Spirit, he will always let you know when the heart of your spouse or child is wounded, he will always let you know. See, God is relational. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they dwell in this community. They dwell in this atmosphere of self-giving love to one another. And when we come to Christ, they call us up into that relationship with them. Lord, have mercy. God is intensely relational. With our children, I'm just writing that. I wrote down some things that we did. One of the things the Lord put in my heart, your children must know you love them unconditionally. Periodically, we would buy our children gifts and surprises. And they would say, why are you buying this? And simply would say, because I love you. Not because something you did, not because of a grade, not because you did this right, simply because I love you. Because I love you. Man. You know, it takes, it takes 20 years of that to get that in their heart. Because of the warfare on the outside that's trying to drown that out. Man, I love my children. I love my wife. But you know something? Children... 
They come into the world having this heart thirsting for unconditional love. They come into, this, into the world desiring approval from their parents. They, they come into the world desiring a safe place, a safe, secure place. Their hearts are thirsting for that. They come into the world desiring a sense of purpose that they derive from their parents. And when these areas are neglected, when they are neglected, when they are neglected, the enemy will use, take, he will try his best to infiltrate that void with counterfeit affections. Words that must be spoken in a home, ongoing. Words that must be spoken in your house. Words that must be spoken. You know, marriage is a 24 hour, it's a 24 hour a relationship of forgiveness. <laughs> Think about it, you're gonna do something that day. <laughs> now be real. You're gonna do something, you're gonna say something. You're gonna look a certain way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 24 hours. That's basically when you say I do, you're saying I do to 24 hours of forgiveness. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Anyway. So you, words that must, now this, these words came from Bishop Johnson. The words that must be continually spoken in a household. If, you don't, if these words are not circulating in your relationship with one another or in your household, then I doubt if the, it's that the atmosphere is healthy. I'm not talking about a perfect atmosphere. I'm talking about a healthy atmosphere. A healthy atmosphere, you hear the words, I love you. I am sorry. I was wrong. I need you. Will you forgive me? One of the things the Lord spoke to me about my children early, he said, respond, do not react. Respond. And if you react, restrain yourself and wait until you're at a place where you are at peace with the Holy Spirit. Because you don't want to say something that you cannot take back. When you react, you end up, you know, people say, I just got to speak my mind. The Bible have, has words for you about people that have to speak their whole mind. Now, and right at the end, praise God. But you know something? The key to crucial conversations is becoming a mature, developed, empathetic listener. You can measure 
a person's emotional maturity or spiritual maturity by their ability to listen. God is a listener. I'm, I was sitting up here trying to think of it. God listens to billions of conversations at one time. And he does not ever forget what you have said. That God is intentional in listening. In fact, the Bible, it, it, it continually talks about a father who hears you. So it means that God is listening. What does that say about us? Listening, listening, listening. Listening validates the worth of a person. When you listen to a person, when you listen to your spouse, when you listen to your children, when you listen to one another, it validates the worth of the person. It says you have worth. If I, if, if, if I have all of your attention, it's telling me that I'm worthy in your eyes. That's what listening is all about. Now, <laughs> I'm going to tell y'all something. <laughs> I'm a DC personality because I'm a DC personality. That means that, that, that I like for people to get to the bottom line. And then there's another side of me that becomes very critical. But over the years, the Holy Spirit has had to allow me to go through some hard things. Some hard things. To deal with that in my heart. I believe... I believe I'm a much better listener. But that came with a price. So, what are the hindrances to listening? Number one, find which name suits you as your hindrance to listening? You have the, the listener who's a robber. The robber is a person who's quick to fill in the sentences. While you speak, they, they're trying to fill in the sentences. They rob the listener of breakthroughs. Uh, the, the robber, the robber, they dislike verbal processors because verbal processors are people who understand as they talk. They have to hear themselves talking to understand. But, but, but a robber robs the, the, the verbal processor. The, the robber jumps to conclusions before the person finished talking. They spend time when the person is talking, framing their responses instead of listening. They may even start drawing and doodling, looking at their phone and watch, but, that, but that's the robber. Who among you are robbers? Who among you would say your verbal villain is the robber? Who has the courage? <laughs> But then the next one is the historian. The historian is the person that tells a long, long story. Every time you talk, they talk about, well, you know, a long time ago, you know, and they go into about five, 10 minutes, 20 minutes of conversations about history. Man, and, and, and before you know it, man, that's the, that's the historian. Who among us are historians? But then you have the interrogator. 
Now, the interrogator is the rapid-fire interrogation. Man, they interrogate you like a policeman. Man, they start asking you one question after another question after another question. You tell me this. Did you go down here? Well, uh, what time did you go there? What, what, what happened? And, and basically, they're interrogating, asking questions. They're not listening. Who among us are interrogators? They, they listen as though they don't believe the person is telling the truth. So they have to, they, oh, man. But then you have the labeling. The labeling is the person who listens to a person according to the category you put them in. So if you think the person is not bright, so you listen to them from that standpoint, you listen to them as though they're stupid. You, you won't listen to them uh, uh, from no other frame of reference except the label you put on them. Now, but then you have the quick change artist. The quick change artist, while you're talking, they'll change questions in the midstream. You're, you're in the and then they'll change the question. And then they'll change it, change it again. They don't give you a chance to even, pro they change it again. And then the last one is the commander. They're the ones that command the conversation. Listen to me. <laughs> they dominate the conversation. They won't let nobody talk. They, they, they fill the conversation. They take the conversation where they want it to go. All of these are fleshly manifestations. Verbal villains, verbal villains that destroy conversations. Oh, they're verbal, verbal, verbal villains. I took a course in this. But then you also have body language that hinders listening. Not making eye contact. Looking at your phone. Looking all around, you know, the person just looking at your phone. Playing with pencils and paper and <laughs> but then you're also fidgeting with your watch. Continually looking looking around. The person is talking and you just looking around, looking around, looking around, looking around. Then the other one is having all these expressions on your face because you know something, you can say nothing is wrong, but your face is, is telling a different story because 85 to 90% of communication is expression and tone. <laughs> How many of you say you can't hide? <laughs> Woo. Oh man. I'm going to ask you this question as we prepare. How many of you saw yourself in here this morning somewhere? How many of you saw yourself? Okay. I see myself in this every time I look at it. And if you don't see yourself, you don't talk to enough people. <laughs> oh, man. The issue is this. Okay. How many of you want to improve? 
How many of you see your need to improve? I'm going to tell you something. One of my children went through a tragedy that seemed like it took everything in us. It took everything in us. They went through the tragedy, and the only way that child got through it, we had to learn how to listen. It wasn't how much I knew. It wasn't, it wasn't a prophetic word. It wasn't a Bible verse. I remember sitting across the table at Wendy's and, and hearing, you do not hear me. You don't know how much pain I'm in. I sat there, I sat there, and I, I began to realize I had to look outside of my frame of reference. I had to look outside of my world. I had to look outside of my thinking. I, I had to become completely selfless so that I could hear that person. Because a life was on the line. And some of you, some of you have situations at home. You've been talking to the situation so much, but you haven't listened. I'm a life coach, and one of the things they teach us is that the answer is always in the person you're coaching. <laughs> Your job is not to tell them what's wrong. But to ask enough questions and listen as they find their way out. And I want to tell you something. Our relationships are not perfect, but they're good. They're good. It costs something. Do you really accept your children for who they are? Do you really accept them the way they are? Do you, do you really accept them? God accepts you the way you are. Are you still trying to fix them? according to your image. How often, you know, to understand a person doesn't mean you condone what they're saying. But understanding, when a person knows they, you understand me, to understand a person means you see me. And it's only then can you communicate. It's only then that two-way communication. And if you are the parent
parent and they are the child, then you have to take the place of maturity to, to create an environment for conducive relationship. We can't parent like the old way. You just be quiet. You keep your mouth closed. Don't say nothing. It don't work anymore. And for some of us who came up that way, we came up wounded. But our parents did the best they knew how. Okay, I got to go. Thank you, Lord. Got to go. I'm telling you, there's some lives hanging on the balance. Sometimes you got to spend time with your children. Man, my, my children come to the house, man, I just sit at the table, let them talk. Man, they talking about stuff that's way over my, and, and, and I don't sit there, oh, judging them, and, and oh, no, no, no. So how do you, we can't solve all of this this morning. What we did was make you aware. I'm going to say something to you. Suicide is real. And depression is real. And the reason why depression is so prevalent now is because there's so many things vying for the attention of our children. There's so many things, there's so many things that they're exposed to. Some of them experience post-traumatic syndrome by what they go through at school, by what they go through at home. They go home to, to parents that's arguing all the time. And you know something, what goes on in a child's heart when a parent is arguing all the time? Are they gonna leave us? Are, are, are we the cause of this? But I, I felt led to say this. Um, suicide, mental illness, it's real. And some of this you can't pray away. Some of this you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and get in the boat with your child. Father, I've done everything I believe I can do this morning. Lord, we are in a state of emergency. Lord, see some of you say, well, they keep us in church all the time. No, 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 no. Figure out how much time you spend on television. Figure out how much time you spend binging. Figure out how much time, oh man, man, don't go there. Father, I've done, I am so happy because when the crisis came, my house, what kept me was the discipleship my wife and I got through Bishop and Lady Carolyn. Don't react, don't react, respond, respond, love, talk, 
conversate, don't put down, don't cuss out. Don't, you don't curse your children out. You don't call your children names. You don't call them names. God don't call you out of your name. Why do you call your children out of their name? Why would you call them something lesser than what God called them? Why would you do that? Why would you stoop so low to put them down? Why would you? You know, sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to apologize. Sometimes you have to say I'm wrong. Stuff happens. Don't act like it don't happen. Work through it. Walk through it. Deal with the emotional aspects of it. And if you, if you don't know how to do it, then get help. All right, Father, I believe I've done everything you would have me do this morning. I thank you, Lord, for giving us leaders like Bishop and Lady Carolyn, whose focal point in 2023 will be family, is family. And we thank you, Lord, for the anointing for families, the healing of families that rest on this house. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You see the children that are in trouble. You see the ones, Lord, who are lying to their parents. You see the ones that are involved in situations and circumstances, Lord. You see the ones, Lord, who are just one step away from committing suicide. Father, I'm, I'm praying this morning that you would open eyes of parents to the lives of their children, to the world of their children, that you would open the eyes of parents to marriages that are fading away because they refuse to talk, refuse to have the real conversations. Father, we ask you today that you would grant grace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The reason why people don't listen is because of pride. Selfishness and self-absorbedness. Those of you who would, the two ways we need to respond is, those of you, first of all, those of you who would say this morning, Man, I, I got pride issues in me. I saw myself, and I need God to help me in this area. Just raise your hands wherever you are. Pride to keep your hands down. Because <laughs> you, you think you're looking bad. But you know something? Sometimes when it comes to your children, you have to be willing to look bad. Father, you see the hands that are up here. We ask you now that you would stretch forth your hands over these parents, over these men and women who are in relationship. We thank you, Lord, for dispensing grace. We thank you, Lord, for releasing your mighty hand over them. In Jesus' name, amen. And then the last call. Most of the time, we don't, we don't grow in this area because we're not healed in our hearts. 
For me, the change came when I began to let God heal my heart. My heart was messed up. I grew up in a household where my father was an alcoholic. I grew up in an, an addiction environment. And it was only after I was married that I recognized some issues were wrong. It was, it was um, the encounters that made a difference in my life. And the last uh, uh, group of people, if you believe, man, I know I need my heart healed. I, I know I need God to heal issues in my past that are beyond my control. Let me see by the show of your hands. Amen. Let me see. Just and wherever you are, let's stand. Just stand wherever you are. Just stand. 